I'd like to start, I want to use the character of King David to do a bit of, well, counseling. I think that his character is so much like so many of us. It, if we could, at different stages of his life, act as his counselors, I think it would, perhaps things wouldn't have turned out the way they did, but also we can learn some things. I want to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. David's family of origin, we want to understand what, what was happening in his family of origin. Saul is the current king of Israel, not doing a, a job that God appreciates. He really is not honoring God. So God speaks to Samuel the prophet and says, I want you to go and anoint another king, a man after my own heart. Well, Samuel's reaction is, are you crazy? I mean, anointing a new king while there is an existing king is, is not a wise move. So they kind of work it out that he'll go and say that there's a sacrifice to be done. And so he sends him to Bethlehem to the family of Jesse. Has Jesse bring his sons before him? And the first one, he thinks, Samuel says, this is the one. He's tall, he's beautiful, he's handsome, he's strong. And God says, I've rejected him. It's interesting that, that God doesn't tell Samuel, I want you to go and anoint a boy named David. You're going to find him. He just says, I want you to, why wouldn't he give him specific instructions? This is a dangerous mission he's on. But had he given him specific instructions, we would never hear that famous quote, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And after Samuel says to Jesse's oldest handsome son, this is the one, God says, man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. I've rejected him. He's already too proud. And we'll see a little later on, not particularly nice guy. So all of the sons go by. And Samuel has to ask, in verse 11 of 1 Samuel 16, Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, Jesse says, there remains yet the youngest or the smallest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. Essentially, David did not rank in this family. He was not someone who was even considered by his father or his brothers. So I want you to think of what that might do to someone's self-esteem, to their family of origin issues, because many in here are counselors, and if you're not, you will counsel people. People are going to come to you in a crisis, and you're going to need to help them, not just with 
worldly wisdom, but you're going to need to help them with God's wisdom. Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him. We're not going to sit down until he comes. In other words, everyone was done. They were ready to sit down. And the only one concerned here is Samuel. Basically, Samuel saying, look, I got my job is not done. Finally, David comes in. God says, that's the one. Samuel anoints him. And it says, and he arose and went back home to Ramah. It doesn't even say he told him why he anointed him. I don't think he said anything. If I were Samuel, I would not have said a word. He told me to anoint him. I anointed him. Saul is not a nice man. He's a very narcissistic, angry man, and you don't want to upset him. Basically, Samuel... So I'm not exactly sure David knew what had just happened. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. We, we could... And as I teach the scriptures, it may not be exactly the way you've always heard it or thought of it if you're a student of scripture. I, I fill in what I think is the most likely scenario in my mind. If you disagree, not a problem. I have no problems with... I, I'm not saying what I'm speaking is the absolute truth. I believe the scriptures which are fairly cryptic. We have a couple of words that may cover years, and we have to fill in what we think is the best fit for what happened there. And then also the scriptures are so we can learn from them. We want to learn, like, what is it that we can learn here? So we're going to be looking at David and what we can learn from him. But by all means, if this is, you know, go read it yourself and see if you agree or if you don't but I want people to be free to read scripture. And if you heard this story as a child, and this is what you always thought, and you can challenge that. I think God appreciates people who are interested enough in his word that they're able to say, why did it say that? I, I, never, I never imagined how dangerous this was for Samuel until I just read it this year, saying, wow, yeah, he probably really wanted to get out of there. He just anointed a new king. We know Saul wipes out all of the priests not long after this. Samuel knew what he was up against, but the family saw it. I'm not sure who else knew, who else was at this dinner or feast or festival. I don't even know if Samuel stayed for the dinner. Doesn't sound like it to me. Anoints him, leaves. But after that, it says that the Spirit of God was on David. Now we go to the next chapter, 1 Samuel 17. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's nine feet tall. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, like 150 pounds. He had a bronze armor. He had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. That's 12 pounds. His shield bearer went before him. Guess what? We have to use our imaginations. 
God is giving us, we have to use our imaginations. He has this incredible foe, like a human tank is what it sounds like. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house tax-free tax in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And the people answered him in the same way, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, the eldest brother, this is the one that Samuel was going to anoint, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Was it not just a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. Three times David asks, what's going to be done for the man who kills this giant? It's interesting. We read that. We don't always pick up. Why, why is this so important to David? Riches, king's daughter, tax-free for your family. Well, one way to get your family happy with you is to get them tax-free. And one way to get into the palace is to marry the king's daughter. I wonder if he's thinking, oh, I see what God's doing. I see how I'm going to get into the palace. Maybe. So David has this incredible confidence. And maybe he's, people said, well, the only people Samuel anoints is, the, is our kings. Maybe you're supposed to be the next king. I, I don't know. He could be thinking this. His imagination has to be moving. He has to be imagining something or you don't go up against a giant like this without a very healthy imagination. He also, I believe, had to imagine himself marrying the princess. He had to be thinking, okay, this is how it's going to work. I can, get through the, I can get in through the back door. So when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them to Saul. So King Saul sends for him. David says, your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. David imagines that he can kill this giant. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, 
I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both the lions and the bears. This Philistine shall be like one of them, for he's defied the armies of a living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. I want to pause right now. Because we've heard David speak. We've heard his incredible heart. He has this imagination. Basically, he said, look, God delivered me before. I can do this. But Eliab, his brother, says, he's just a shepherd boy. Saul says, you're just a youth. Family influence, political influence, both agree this is not a good idea. But you happen to be the counselor, the guidance counselor for the Israeli army. And Saul wants him to see you, and he's going to ask you whether or not this man, this youth, should go into battle. And I want you to take a few minutes now. Here's what I want you to think about, because I want you to think, what questions do you need to know? What do you need to know? What questions are you going to ask David? What do you want to know? And, and what are you going to use to try to determine? Most of us in this room know how the story turns out, but I want you to just take a step back. You've got your little tent there. You've been a counselor for the Israeli army. Most of the time you're, you're working with PTSD and fear and, you know, they're afraid of this giant and people are having nightmares. You're doing a lot of counseling like that. But now Saul is sending you this kid who he thinks might be crazy. What questions are you going to ask? I'm just going to give you two, three, four minutes right now. Just you can discuss it. Let's think for ourselves, how do, am I going to determine if this is a suicide mission or if this is something I should do? Go ahead and discuss it. Any questions? Anyone want to volunteer? How do you plan to approach this? Good. Yeah. What What is your strategy? What is your What are you thinking, David? Okay. Let's Let's talk about the sling and the stones. We know from Judges chapter twenty and verse sixteen there were. It says there were 700 men from the tribe of Benjamin who could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. Those of you who know the tribes of Israel know that Judah is right next to Benjamin. Do you think that David had heard about these 700 men and judges which predated the book of Samuel that we're in? So stone slinging, it was actually quite a part of their culture. And probably David was out practicing with that sling. In fact, I saw a YouTube on this, if you, you, and there was a guy who wanted to learn to do this, and he, he said it took him one year and 30,000 throws, but he was able to hit something the size of a small animal. And he said at that time he was just at the level 
of an elementary child in one of the cultures that uses these slings and stones. So being very accurate with a sling and a stone is something that David obviously had mastered. This thing about the lion and the bear, I think I would say, tell me a little bit about the lion. I want to hear more about the lion and the bear, because that seems like the way I read it, I caught him by the beard and struck him. It sounds like Hercules. It sounds a little mythological. This, you know, this is the stuff of legend. This is a young boy. And so I'm thinking through this. It says, he delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. So a lion's paw and a bear's paw is going to be longer than a 15, 17-year-old boy's arm. But not longer than his sling. Never heard anyone talk about this, but this is my thought. He saw the lion carrying off the sheep. He slung the stone, hit the lion hard enough, it dropped the sheep, but became angry and came back at him. Now it said, I caught him by the beard. Curious about that, because that... How do you, first of all, a lion has a mane, a male lion has a mane, and you catch him by the mane, not a wise move in most circles, just not what you would suggest. Sounds like a Hercules, sounds like a legend. Although in the Hebrew, beard and chin are the same word. So catching him by the chin is even worse, but what if he had a stone in his sling, and he was slinging it, and he caught him. Like I would say, I caught him on the chin. Caught, the word in Hebrew means he, it restrained him. One of the translations, I seized him by the beard. Whatever he did, stop the forward progress of this animal. That, those stones, by the way, are, they're not little skipping stones. They look like tennis balls, they look like baseballs. They're enormous stones. And they were very, very well trained. And if you're slinging this thing along, and it's longer than your arm, and you time it just right, you will break the jaw of the lion or the bear, and he can't open his mouth. It hurts him now to open his mouth. What's he going to do? Just sit there until you clobber him in the head with your stone. We know that when David killed Goliath, there was no spear, no knife in his hand. This was all sling. But as I looked at this, and you can look at it again, I believe it was distinctly possible when he says, I caught him by the chin, or I caught him on the chin. He was slinging this thing around, and when it came at him, he just whack, broke the jaw of the lion, and then smashed it in the head and killed it. He said, I struck him and I killed him. He didn't grab it by the mane. That's, that, that, that's craziness. Naomi and I read these stories together, and we try to come up with, what's the best fit here? Why does it say that? And you have to use your imagination. Sometimes you have to go, and there are a lot of programs. You can just find what the Hebrew word was and what that word could also mean, because Hebrew can also be very cryptic. What's the best fit for you? So David was so incredibly confident with this sling. Basically, he never missed. 
He killed a lion. It wasn't just a one-off. Then a bear came at him. Now a bear doesn't even have a beard. So that it had to be something else. I believe it was chin. He said, I'm not scared of anything. I've got this sling, and whatever I aim it at is going down. He's been practicing with this sling. But what is he practicing for? What is in his imagination as he is he saying, I hope I'm the best shepherd in all of Israel. I want to be the best shepherd. I want to keep the most sheep. No. He's practicing for war. His brothers are all in the army. He keeps in his imagination, everything he's hitting is training for war. This is just part of his dream. Guys, you're playing basketball. What are you practicing? At the buzzer, at the buzzer. The shot goes up. You're always practicing what? Something where you're going to be the hero. What do you think he's practicing? I'm taking the giant down. He's been practicing this in his imagination for years. This is his dream come true. And he sees he never misses. Basically, all the kids his age are looking for, what do the boys talk about? They're, how good are you with your sling? When are we going to get to fight in the battle? And even, even so, you know, his older brother is ridiculing him. You can tell there's, there's tension. So the big question you have to ask David now you're convinced technically he can do it, but you, being a, a, a godly counselor, are going to say something else. David, what is your spiritual journey? Tell me, tell me where you are spiritually. What has happened to you? So, well, you know, I mostly take care of the sheep, but I, I write songs and I worship God when I'm out with the sheep. Huh. Well, I don't hear that a lot, you say, as a counselor. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I write songs. I, I, I play music. Spend a lot of time with God outdoors in the silence, just thinking about it, thinking about him, thinking about what he wants me to do. Anything else happen to you spiritually? Well, yeah, this prophet came not long ago. And he poured oil on my head and he took off. Oh, that. Samuel came. Yeah, yeah, he came, didn't say much, just poured oil on my head and, you know, off he went. And ever since that happened, you know, it's been amazing. I've, I've got a lot more courage. He said, in anyone that uses God's name in vain, I get very angry with them. And part of what we read is that this giant was defying God. He was defying Israel, defying God's people. He said, that just makes me angry. Hmm. And you think about it, and you look at this boy, and you say, you know, I know everyone else seems to think you can't do this, but what I'm hearing you say, and what I see in you, is that the favor of God is truly, clearly on you. And I believe he wants you to go and fight this Philistine. David says, wow, nobody else encouraged me. Everyone's against me. 
I mean, can you imagine what it's like trying to keep your imagination on track when your family, your oldest brother, and the king of the nation of Israel says, not a good idea. But you, counselor, thank you. Thank you for encouraging me. You're, this is just what I needed. I hope you keep encouraging other people. 